welcome to the RBL Podcast. I'm your host, Mercedes, and if you're ready to be inspired and encouraged, this podcast is for you. Rise by lifting, rise by lifting others. You rise, you rise, you rise, you rise, you Hey, RBL community, our initial surrender of our lives to God does not end when we invite Jesus Christ into our hearts. Rather, it's more of a beginning as we continue to pursue a life of surrender daily. And of course, the reward that comes when we do is absolutely amazing. So joining me in today's discussion is Mrs. Keisha Bennett. Welcome, Keisha. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. (laughs) And very excited to have you here. So, of course, we are going to start off with a fun fact about yourself. Fun fact is I've been to about eight different high schools Mm. and um, obviously we all know that it only takes four years to finish (laughs) school, but I've bounced around a lot to a lot of different high schools in the city. Mm. Nice. Okay. So I'm sure we'll dive a little bit more into that once you, of course, share with us your testimony. So, of course, with that being said, can you share with us your testimony? Who were you before coming to Christ? Okay. So before I came to Christ, so backdrop, um... I come from a single parent home. My mom was only 18 when she had me. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm a twin, but before me and my twin sister, my mom had another daughter. Um, My mom started having kids when she was really young at 16 years old. Um, She grew up in the Rexdale community. um, And then she met my dad in high school. And Mm. um, so long story short with that, my dad was in grade 10 and my mom was in grade 12 I believe Mm -hmm. and he had already had he had three girls in the school pregnant and Uh one was Asian one was she was Korean one was my mom who's white and then the other one was Ghanaian I believe she was Ghanaian or Nigerian Mm -hmm. and um so my mom was pregnant with me and my sister now um and my dad just had all these girls pregnant and my mom had us and he was not wanting to be a part like he was only 15 at the time and he like all in one school year had four kids wow because twins and then the two others so that's four kids um in grade 10 so he was just scared um hindsight looking back i can understand why he reacted the way he did um Mm. and didn't want to take responsibility um so my mom said that i i had seen him well he had come to see him my me and my twin sister when we were babies, we were about one years old, and he just knocked her apartment door, looked at us, and it was his first time seeing us, and then she, he handed her a $1,000 and left. Um, wow. Yeah, so he wasn't a part of my life at all. Yeah. Um. So shortly after, my mom got into another relationship, and that's who I thought was my dad. He was mm. living with us. He was very active in my life. I called him dad. Um, my mom ended up having two more kids, my little brother and my little sister, um with with him um so he was dad like Mm -hmm. forever right so um i remember being five years old and my mom calling me into the kitchen like i remember this vividly and she was crying and i remember feeling sad instantly because as a kid if you see your mom cry you're gonna be sad right right so me and my twin sister like are you okay mom and she's like um i have to tell you guys something and like she had her high school yearbook on the table i remember her high school yearbook being there and she's like your dad died and i was like i didn't feel sad like i didn't and i was so young but i don't remember feeling sad for losing my dad i remember feeling sad because my mom was crying Mm. 
And when she told me that, I was kind of like confused. And I was thinking of this man who lives with us is my dad, but he was in the other room. So I was confused. Like, And then she opened the yearbook and showed, she pointed to him and she's like, this is your dad. And he was murdered today. Wow. And I was like, oh. But again, I did not feel like I lost anything. Mm-hmm. I just gave my mom a hug and I went right back to the other room with my who I thought was my dad. Mm. So fast forward now, we lived in different community um, housing areas in Toronto. Mm. Um, when I was in grade four, we were living at Western Road and Black Creek, a neighborhood called Humber. And that's when I just developed a love for basketball. Uh, mm. Me and my sister, we loved basketball. Um, and at that point in grade four, that's when my mom and my, her, I don't want, I guess my, he's not my dad, but like the one I'm referring to as my dad. Right. They break up. And I remember seeing that like live in action, like him packing his stuff and leaving, him getting his own place not too far away. And like he would come pick us up on the weekends. But then that slowly turned into him only taking the two younger ones. Mm. Um, so that's when I'm like, okay, I'm, I see what it is now. Like, I'm not your daughter. Mm. You're only taking your biological kids. Right. right. Um, and I don't understand that. Um, my mom had a brother, a little brother who was um, 10 years older than me. So he was like my big brother kind of slash fa- father figure. Um, and our house was like, it's hard to say, like, but it's, it's just real life. Our house was the house that was a lot of drugs were being sold in, a, in and out of our house. There was a lot of gun activity. Um, we were exposed to a lot at a very young age. Mm. Um, so I remember being that same year grade four he he leaves the house and it's just my mom and us kids and my two cousins from jamaica were living with us too and so it's my mom and eight kids sorry living in the house and my mom was just trying to make ends meet so she's doing what she has to do so she's hustling and i don't think it's a bad thing i'm thinking she's doing what she has to do to take care of us and she's also working a night job so my uncle also lived with us and like other people it's just the house like that everyone just came in and out of um, so I remember one morning my mom was getting us ready, I guess, for school or she was leaving the house. It was very early in the morning. The sun wasn't even up yet. It was probably 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. in the winter, maybe the winter. I don't remember, but it was like really dark still outside. And my mom was about to leave the house. And all I remember is like hearing loud screams, like everyone's yelling. I remember hearing, and I, I'm being scared, like out of bed. So I remember us coming downstairs and my mom is in handcuffs on the floor. Wow. And I remember my brother, so he was maybe three or four at the time, and he's standing at the top of the stairs crying for my mom. And I it was, it was police surrounded our house. Like, they're in the trees. They're everywhere. Every window I looked at, there was flashlights and just men everywhere yelling, telling us to get down. And there's a lot of us kids, right? Mm-hmm. So they're yelling at us to get on the floor. And then I remember them taking my uncle... And they're, they don't, they're not trying to shelter us from anything. Like, they're ruthless. So mm. I remember them taking my uncle out of the house. And they beat him until he was black and blue. My uncle's white, my mom's brother. They, and in front of us, they beat wow. him. Um, and they mishandled my mom. And then I remember us having to sit in cop cars. So we lived in the hood. So when you live in the hood, everyone sees. And we lived in a townhouse. And the, na- the way the neighborhood was set up, it's like you could see everything. Right, right. So now it's school hours. People are getting ready to leave for school. And we're all in police cars and like everyone's walking by and we're so embarrassed, right? Because at, you're at the age now where you know. Yeah. So I was in grade, I was nine years old. My sister was 10 and then my siblings were younger, whatever. So I remember just being so embarrassed 
and like I couldn't hide my face because we were sitting in police cars and I remember like I needed to use the bathroom and like they would escort us into the house and there was no door on the bathroom now because they destroyed our house they were looking for guns and drugs so my house was turned upside down the furniture was ripped the walls were had huge holes in them the doors were off so for us to use the bathroom now they wouldn't even cover us like we just go into the bathroom and doors open they're like just go use it they didn't care that we were kids at all oh my gosh so um fast forward now actually that same day my mom calls my mom didn't actually go into custody they let her go after the raid was done Mm -hmm. and she called I remember specifically my older sister's dad coming to pick her up mm-hmm. and then the, my my stepdad coming for the younger two but no one came for me and my twin sister because my dad was murdered and his family didn't know about us yet mm. so I remember me and Kaylin had to stay in the house with my mom and the house was trashed we couldn't even walk anywhere because there was just no floor space mm-hmm. so shortly after we got kicked out of that house because of just all that that happened that took place there we got kicked out so from then on our life was just so unstable we moved all the time because my mom was in living in toronto community housing we Mm -hmm. got kicked out of that system so now she's paying market rent Mm. so it was hard for her to make ends meet Mm -hmm. um obviously like guys around would help that knew my dad or whatever like my mom's friends would help here and there but at the end of the day was on her right right so those my other siblings went to live with their dad but me and Kaylin had to stay with my mom so I remember us staying with people um we stayed with my aunt one time and we're me and my mom and my sister just living in a bedroom um so just very unstable that's why I went to so many schools um and then by the time I was 14 oh no sorry so then I'm in grade five and I remember that's the first time I vividly remember feeling like I wanted dad because no one really had their dad around anyway, so I didn't really feel like I was missing out on anything. Mm-hmm. But I remember one day I came home from basketball practice, and I was sitting on the couch watching a show, and one of the, our house always had a lot of people. So one of the guys, my mom's friends, were sitting there, and he kind of like put his arm around me, and he's like, how was school? Asking me questions. And he was just showing interest. Mm-hmm. And I remember being like, whoa, like this is different. Because like, me and my mom, like we didn't have... She was so young. like She didn't really have that mother relationship. It was more like friend like she was like our friend and then it was more like we didn't really talk as much like she didn't Mm. really show an interest because she was so like i need to provide a a roof for you and like food for you and like there's not she had no energy left to give us right right right. now looking in hindsight i understand so after he asked me that and then he got up i remember feeling so safe and secure with him Mm. and when he got up i remember being like i really enjoyed that that Mm. feeling of like a a father figure a man asking me about my date and like if I'm good and like let me know if you need anything like I remember feeling that like wow so anyways I remember from grade five to about grade eight my mom was just an angry person like I remember we'd come from school and before we'd go in the house we're listening at the door to see what kind of mood she's in and we didn't want to go home we hated going home and um she was just super stressed out yeah um and then we moved to an other side of Toronto now. So we went from Rexdale to Humber to Shepherd now. And that mm. was like a culture shock to us. Because mm. it's like, it's just different. Like, although it's one city, it's like every area is very different. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So we moved there now. And that's when we start getting all the attention from boys. Because mm. like, my sister's living with us again. And like, three new sisters moved to a neighborhood. And now like, boys everywhere. So my mom was just like what 
what's going on like i didn't expect all this so shortly after my sister who was 15 gets pregnant leaves the house so my mom now tries to crack down on me and kaylin and like tries to lock us down because she's scared that we're gonna get pregnant but we weren't really into that we wanted to just play basketball and chill outside all the time yeah so that's when we started to get very rebellious because my mom went from being my friend to trying to be like an authoritative figure in my life and mm. we were super rebellious we're like no like you can't tell us what to do so we would fight with my mom all the time i was like very very disrespectful to her um and then she just got to the point where she's like i can't do this anymore so like she put us in foster care so we ended up being in foster care for three to four years um yeah about that and we were just bouncing around um because we are very adamant about staying together me and my sister because we've been through so much in life and seen so much crazy things that we're just like at least we have each other Mm -hmm. um and even throughout my teenage years of being in foster care i was just finding my identity in basketball and in relationships Mm. um i always needed to have a boyfriend i'm like i i just felt secure like this is something that i can control this is something Mm. that i have and like yeah i just i just felt like i needed a boyfriend Mm. um and then so that that's pretty much my story before christ how i was um so now i'm in another relationship with a guy and i was so determined to be i'm like i'm gonna be a basketball wife like i'm gonna be married to an nba player and it's funny because although i had no reference of marriage i always wanted to be married Mm. i'm like i know i don't want to be like no disrespect but like no i didn't want to just be another baby mother with kids in the hood like i didn't want that yeah so i'm like i want to have kids i want to um i wanted one kid and want to be a wife i knew that Mm. um so i finally meet this guy and i'm like there's something different about this guy (laughs) although he was like a year younger than me there was just something very different about him and um we start talking and he plays basketball so i'm like perfect okay good (laughs) we're on the right track (laughs) so um he goes away for school um to north carolina and when he goes away my friend is she knew someone in the mississauga church and she was like yo come to church i'm like no like what no i'm not going to church like i was so i didn't know anything about church mm-hmm. so i'm like i i just i don't have church clothes like that's all i'm thinking about the external right right and she's like you wear whatever you want just come and i'm like yeah. okay like i'll come with you so i come and it's funny because my boyfriend's living in the states and me kaylin and my, my friend we go and <laughs> it was marty carnegie there pastor marty carnegie is there okay preaching and I still remember vividly what he was talking about and I had no interest in serving God at all. Mm. So he's talking about how do we trust the teenager serving our food at a fast food restaurant? Like you don't check, you just eat it. When you go on a plane, you don't ask the pilot for his credentials, you just go on the plane. Right. And you trust that you're going to get to where you need to go. Yeah. When you sit on a chair, do you check the legs? And I remember thinking like, that's so, yo, this guy's so, like he's spitting facts. Like, I remember <laughs> thinking like, I remember turning to my sister and being like, yo, that's so true. Like, I don't check anything. I just, whatever. Right, right. And then he's like, but you don't trust God. These are, you don't mm. ever trust God. But I didn't get a moment. Mm. I was kind of like, okay, like, why would he say that? Yeah. Because my, my mind and my heart just wasn't ready to for that. Right, so I remember right. being like, okay, yeah, I guess that's true. But I wasn't moved by it. Mm-hmm. And then altar call comes and he's talking about heaven and hell. And this is my first time hearing about like I knew about heaven well I thought I knew about heaven like I've heard about heaven not really about hell ever Mm. um I heard about Jesus um but I didn't know who Jesus like I didn't know I just heard of Jesus yeah so I remember I all to call my friend is telling me like 
the girl who invited us like you need to like just put your hand up put your hand up and i'm like no like i don't know what this is i'm not just gonna put my hand up because you're telling me to do it (laughs) so that was that i didn't put my hand up but i remember after talking to because everyone is very friendly there so Mm -hmm. i remember they came up to me after and they were talking to me and i remember being like i actually wouldn't mind giving my life to christ like what do i have to lose but then i'm like i'm thinking about my boyfriend and i'm like this is the first guy that i actually really really like and i'm Mm. like i've been in a lot of relationships and there were it was nothing for me to walk away from them Mm. this one i'm like no i'm not losing this guy so i remember saying like i was talking to someone and i'm like okay i want to do it but before i'd say yes i need to talk to him it was so weird so i called him that night and it's funny he was in a christian school in north carolina so i was telling him like yeah like i kind of want to do it and he's like do it like why don't you i'm like I don't know I just feel like if I do it like my it's just gonna my life will change completely and I don't know like Mm. it was kind of like the fear of the unknown right right and I was like I don't want to lose our relationship like that was the most important thing to me Mm -hmm. at that point like I would move across the world for this relationship it was the end all be all was in this relationship yeah so that was in October of 2009 yeah 2009 so he gets injured and comes home and now we're just living life like he's here now and i'm working i'm just so used to working i've been working since i was 14 because i kind of had to fend for myself from a young age yeah so i'm working um trying to finish high school like this is i'm on my 20th high school at this point trying to finish get my credits um and then i remember we were we were together all the time so i remember he was kind of living with me he was back and forth living with me and i come home from work and he's like packing all his stuff and i'm like what are you doing He's like, I can't live like this anymore. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I'm literally standing at the door, like, of our bedroom. And he's, like, throwing his stuff into a duffel bag and then telling me, like, pass that, pass that. And I'm, like, sitting there, like, what are you doing? Like, I'm panicking on the inside. And he's just like, I can't live like this. Like, he went to a Bible study. And, like, this is all so foreign to me. So I'm like, we can still be together. Like, what do you mean we can't? He's like, no, like god doesn't want me to like conduct a relationship this way like he's speaking and it's not nothing's making sense you know in charlie brown when you heard like the want 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 in the background <laughs> that's all yeah nothing is like connecting yeah all i'm thinking is like i, I can't lose him like right. i can't lose him that's all i have like and then he was just like like i can't be with you anymore and just yeah like if you want to like um serve god like they're having a concert at the church you can come and whatever so i'm like okay like i'll go to the church like if that's all you want like that's soft i'll go to church so then um i go to they're having a concert at mississauga i go and i remember like seeing a bunch of girls that i went to weston with mm-hmm. at, and like girls and guys that i went to high school with so i was like oh but we ran in different crowds like not to say that they weren't like cool people we just were like different crowds like they were like smart girls like they had their head on their shoulder i was opposite of that so (sighs) to me back then they weren't cool to me so when i first saw them like that was my impression like oh they go here okay um so i was like friendly they were super friendly to me and i was like oh hey yeah i'm like okay um and I remember Chris Spears was doing an altar call. So I went to the concert that he invited me to. Um, I brought my little brother with me. And I remember a brother in the church. Um, there was just a music night. So there was um, drama. There was different kind of music. I wasn't really into it, if I'm being honest. I was still, like, devastated and heartbroken over this relationship. And I remember the altar call, though. And he was explaining eternity. And I was like, whoa. Like, I, I don't want to be separated from god like i don't want to go to hell Mm. that was the first time i heard like what hell really was Mm. and 
in that moment though i did not want to serve god but i also did not want to go to hell Mm. um so i did answer i responded to the altar call because i'm like i do not want to go to hell and Mm. if this is how i can't go i'll do it um so i remember responding to the altar call and then from there people are following up on me like trying to build relationships with me but although i was scared out of hell my heart and my mind still was not surrendered to christ Mm. for some reason i just could not replace this guy as my god with god and my pursuit my pursuit was this making this relationship work because i'm like this has to work because i don't want to be with anybody else and that's all i could think about right and i'm just a young 19 year old girl like imagine like i've been in relationships um but i had so much um unstable things in my life that Mm -hmm. this was the first thing that felt stable to me Mm. and I just didn't want to lose it because I didn't know my dad this other person I thought was my dad left my uncle who was supposed to be my father figure left um so there's just too much things like the fear of unknown like I was saying like before yeah so this felt like security and I was Mm. gonna fight for it Mm. um so fast forward now i i'm i was the girl that i would tell my son now to stay away from Mm. if he's trying to serve god because i was a very big distraction if i'm being honest looking back now i my feelings and my emotions were just so out of whack and i was so dependent on this person um it was unhealthy and um it was just i was just so scared that's what it was i was a scared insecure little girl Mm. and I was searching for security and I thought I would find it in this guy. So anyways, um, we fall into fornication. He's genuinely trying to serve God and I was, and he felt bad for me too. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, he's trying to like serve God, but like make sure like I'm okay. Yeah. So we're new converts. Like we're really like, I genuinely at a moment, I'm like, I want to serve God. Like I do, but not as bad as I want this relationship. Mm. So, we end up falling into fornication and i remember right after he was like done with me like he was so disgusted with himself and with everything and he was just like i'm really done like and he had to be like very harsh with me mm-hmm. like to cut me off like for me to get the point like we're done if um if god wants us to be together it will happen not by us forcing it mm-hmm. and we need to live a pure life and he was telling me all this and i was like whoa like and he was like really done with me so like he blocked me on everything he had to make like radical changes for mm. me to see how serious he was so he blocked me bbm was a thing back then <laughs> he blocked right. me on bbm on email everything yeah. changed his number wow. and sometimes you have to do those things right like yeah. you have to literally like just cut every cord yeah so he did he does that and maybe a week later i find out i'm pregnant and I'm like deep down honestly if I'm being honest I was so happy I'm like yes like and that's just the old man like the old mentalities like girls would get pregnant and think like I'm saving the relationship like those are the things that were in my head and it's honestly embarrassing now to think about but it's the truth um that's how my mind was groomed to I that's all I've seen my whole life right right um so I get pregnant and I'm like okay good I I have him now like you know so not that I have him. I didn't feel like I had him, but I knew the person he was and he would not leave me with a baby. Mm-hmm. So I remember telling him, I called him and I'm like, hey, like I'm pregnant. Oh no, I had to call. I couldn't even call him. I called his friend mm. and I told his friend and his friend call, told him to call me. 
so he calls me and i told him i'm pregnant and then he's like i'll call you back and he didn't call back and i was like oh okay so then the next day he calls back and he's just like yeah so like like we were just talking about like me finding out yeah yeah. and then he's like um we're gonna go talk to pastor about like what should like just get advice on what we should do yeah and um so i remember us meeting up and doing that just we're trying to get wise counsel like honestly like i wanted the wise counsel i wanted to know how to move forward from here Mm -hmm. um and i remember when i found out i was pregnant the doctor was like i know you're young like if you want like we can terminate the baby and i was like no like that was never an option for me yeah um so we talked to our pastor and he was just asking us like what we wanted to do and at this point i didn't know what we were gonna do Mm -hmm. and he said that's the first time i heard him say like i want to marry her and i was just like yeah like i think that's the best idea too yeah (laughs) because i'm just thinking like i want this relationship yeah so i'm thinking like hey i have the relationship and we're good now i'm gonna be happy i have a baby i'm gonna be his wife and now we could be a happy christian family like now i can serve god because now i got all the things i wanted now i can serve god mm. so we get married um we didn't have like a big wedding we just did we just got married like we signed our papers um i had no one standing with me no one in my family supported me getting married when we told my family wow. they were like happy i was pregnant but not happy that i want to get married really like, yeah i'm the first person in my family to be married it's like foreign no one gets married in my family so were they like against the idea of marriage yeah or, mm. so my mom specifically said no guy wants to be with one girl forever you're ruining wow. your life so she did everything in her power to make us not get married she called my pastor she talked to shamar she did not want us she was like wow you guys are not getting married so i remember the morning of me getting married i wasn't happy and i should be I was not happy, though. I wore all black <laughs> to my wedding. Um, really? Yeah. I was I was extremely sad because I had nobody. Wow. Um, and I remember um, Janoy picked me up and drove me to church. And he looked at me. He probably doesn't remember this, but he looked at me and he's like, so no one's coming with you? And like he kind of like slowed down and like the way he spoke. like It's like he just said it and then like kind of caught himself. Mm. And then I was like like I just shook my head no and then he just turned on music and like we didn't really talk for the rest of the ride so I think he like understood like she she's doing this by herself mm. so luckily I have the most amazing mother-in-law in the whole world um she stood for me and signed for me and she like really was one of the only people who believed in us and was there from day one um and then Shamar's best friend signed for him they were our witnesses and that's it I didn't have anyone and right after that we just we're living our life like we got a small basement apartment and we were living there we had shamar was working at Foot Locker, i was working at a call center and um yeah we were just a young couple he was 19 i was 20 at the time wow and we were finding like our lives changed in one year we became yeah um married and parents and christians all in one year wow so we were trying to juggle all of this and figure out who we are but I remember being six, seven, eight months pregnant. Shamar's working. I'm not working as much anymore because I'm getting, like, bigger. Um, and I'm home. And I remember, like, living in the basement. There's not, there's no windows, really. Mm-hmm. It's dark. It's cold. Um, he would leave for work early in the morning. And I remember being so sad. And I felt so lonely. Yeah. And I'm thinking, like, I got what I wanted. Like I'm, And I still feel so, like, 
I don't like to use the word depressed lightly. Um, I feel like it's thrown around a lot lately. Right. Um, I wasn't depressed, but I, w- I was not fulfilled. And mm. I was supposed to feel fulfilled because I had everything I thought I wanted. Mm. Um, so I remember in January of 20, 20, 2011, um, I go to church, like normal Sunday morning, we go to church. Um, and I'm sitting there. I didn't miss anything. I was going to church now. This is almost for a year. Mm. I, I Everything. But I still wasn't fully surrendered. And I remember Pastor Mike was preaching on our good works are filthy rags to God. So mm. he's like, you can come to church, you can do ministry, you can clean the bath, you can do all these things. Right. But how is your heart? Right. And I remember feeling so disgusted and I could not wait for altar, altar call. Because I knew there was going to be an altar call. I'm used to church. Like I know yeah. how church goes at this point. As soon as altar call, um, he said he opened the altars, I ran there. I'm nine months pregnant. Like, I waddled there. <laughs> and I remember feeling, like, filth. Like, I remember feeling disgusting. Yeah. And I remember feeling ashamed of, like, God, I cannot believe I played with you for this long. Mm. And, like, you have been so faithful to me. And I'm looking back in hindsight and, like, all the things he he has brought me through. And I was just being selfish. And, like, I want this. No, I want this. And, like, I, I had what I thought I wanted. And I still was not happy. Mm. Um, because, like, you can have a spouse... But you can't rely on that spouse to give you um, contentment or fuf- like they can't fulfill all your needs. And it's not fair for you to put that expectation on them either. Right, right. Yeah. So I remember saying like, God, like, I'm so sorry for everything. And I repented right there in that moment. And I said, I'm, I'm done. Like, I'm surrendering everything to you right now. Mm. And I remember saying I'm going all in for God and I remember even the next weekend I was downtown street preaching with a big nine month belly like (laughs) and I'm like I need to win people to Christ like I need to tell everyone about Jesus and I'm not looking back like I'm just gonna go full throttle at this point wow and I gave birth a month later and two weeks later I'm like I'm back in church like I'm like I need to be around the people like I wanted to just be do whatever I could in this time because I'm like I'm thinking now like I don't know how much time we have on earth. I know mm. Jesus is coming back and I just need to do, like, help my mother church, help people. I need to get my family saved. So I just got super, like, no, I need to, like, win yeah. people to Christ now. And, like, my sister ended, ends up getting saved. But I say all that to say is, like, you can think that you want this career or you want this house. You have all these achievements you want, but you can get all of that. And without Christ, it's not you'll still not feel content. Yeah. And that's why you see people in Hollywood, they're not content. They right. have everything that people want but they're not happy yeah um i didn't want all that an extravagant life i just wanted this relationship and yeah. i got it and i still wasn't happy because there's nothing compares to you your relationship with christ yeah and i had to learn the hard way but god works in mysterious ways yes. and i'm so happy that day i fell on my face and i was like i'm done wow so that was pretty much my testimony in a short form <laughs> <laughs> that was the short form guys <laughs> and that's the end of the podcast okay <laughs> no wow like just wow yeah that's an amazing testimony mm-hmm. wow because you literally really painted the picture and mm-hmm. the journey for us right because you showed us like prior to you know who you were the things that you struggled with what you know impacted your life mm-hmm. and you know to see you even coming into church you know and you not really surrendering completely Mm -hmm. to experiencing genuine conversion. So let's explore that a little bit. How would you personally define um, conversion? And what do you think the difference is between um, a Christian who is converted and one who isn't? Um, So I liken conversion to like um, currency. 
Mm-hmm. Um, like, you can't take a Jamaican dollar and go use it in America. Right. It holds no value there. But if I change my Jamaican dollars into U.S. dollars, I can begin to make transactions. Um, so that's why you kind of look at it, like, with the kingdom of God. Like, my life has no power without conversion. And I noticed that. Like, I had no power without mm-hmm. Christ until I was converted. And mm-hmm. I remember that come to Jesus moment, that moment where I'm like, I'm fully surrendered. And I think it's important that every Christian has that time stamp. You cannot tell me that you are a Christian, but you can't remember when you surrender to Christ. Right. You need to know that moment. It's very important to know that moment. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much how I look at it as conversion. There needs to be a change that happens. Mm. And now through that change, there's power in what you're doing. Mm. So would you say that when you were at that altar, right, did it click for you? Like, oh my gosh, like things are different right now. Like, did you think to yourself like, I've experienced conversion now at this point. Like, my Christianity is different, especially because, you know, here you are. At one point, it's like, you know, you're just almost playing church. But Mm -hmm. the next point, here you are about to give birth and you're out on the streets. So did it click for you that something had changed? Or Yes, um, because you would hear people talk about things and you're like, I don't feel that on the inside. Mm. So um, I think people who are converted will start to share Jesus and evangelize. And that was the for me like when I was converted I wanted to tell everybody about him um about my conversion so it's like if that's how you can test yourself if you are truly converted if you share Jesus if you share your story and how he changed your life Mm, nice hey RBL community please remember to follow this podcast and follow us on Instagram to never miss out on any updates and now back to the episode so, okay, so I know that you mentioned a lot about, like, um, just your relationship, right, um, with your, um, well, now husband, yeah. right? <laughs> um, at the time, and you struggling with, like, identity and struggling with, like, you know, just finding worth, for instance, right? Mm-hmm. Um, were there other things that you personally struggled with in the earlier stages of your walk, and how did you overcome these things? One thing I really struggled with was looking at God as a father, Mm. I only looked at him as a judge. Mm. Um, and I remember that being so hard for me to grasp. Like, this is my father. Right. And it's because I didn't have a father figure. I didn't know how to conduct myself as a daughter. Mm. Um, and I didn't know, like, I, I know, like, God, God's word, like, says that he's a father to the fatherless. But yeah. I personally, it wasn't a God thing. It was a me thing. I didn't know how mm. to conduct myself in the relationship with God. Um, I only looked at him like if I make a mistake, oh my gosh, God's going to be mad. But if I grew up with my dad, I would know that a father, maybe they would be upset with things, but they want me to get back up and they're going to help me and correct me and make me stronger and stuff like that. But I didn't look at God like that. So that Mm. was a big struggle in my mind. I had to continuously renew my mind um, on like how God, who God is Mm. um, and focus more on like him being my father Mm -hmm. um, because I knew him as a judge and I wanted to know him as a father um, Mm. so I can conduct it as a healthy relationship. Right, right. Um, So that was one thing that I struggled with and another thing was building friends because one, I came in with the foundation of I just wanted to be in with my husband like that was the most important relationship to me but I needed friends outside of that like every healthy marriage needs healthy friendships. Yes. Um, He had healthy friendships but I didn't and I knew I needed that, but it was so hard for me because although I had friends in the world, um, I did not know how to have a godly friendship. So mm. to be loyal, to be trustworthy, to pray with my friends, I didn't know how to let people in. Mm. Um, so that was a huge struggle for me. Um, but over time, like I'm just so grateful for my church and like the sisters that God put around me because they helped me become who I am now. Um, wow. 
so yeah making friends and just knowing god as my father and not just a judge Wow, praise God. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's so interesting because like um, when you talk about the father aspect, right? It just reminds me of how like we can have like such a distorted view mm-hmm. based on like our experiences yep. in life, right? And we project that onto God. Exactly. Because like, yeah, like I can totally even relate with that, you know, mm-hmm. like same thing, viewing God as like, oh my gosh, you make a mistake and then mm-hmm. he's just ready to like condemn you. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's not who he is. Mm-hmm. And you almost have to learn to accept him his love as well Mm -hmm. and it's crazy and walk in it yeah because one thing too i struggled with for years of serving god Mm. um was fear because i seen Mm. so much growing up that i was kind of like when i first got saved i was almost numb to these things like gun violence seeing people get shot like i used i seen it all right i seen it all so i was i remember now trying to build a prayer life and i remember specifically like when i'm praying at home I'm watching my back. I'm home. Why am I watching my back? Fear would grip me when I'm trying to connect wow. with God. When I'm like alone, I know I'm in a safe place. I'm in my house. Um, but I could not be alone. Like I was so scared all the time. Yeah. And that's so crippling. Like I couldn't live free because I was always so scared. Um, like to get, it's, it's, I don't know. I was just so crippled by fear and overcoming that was very hard because i would have nightmares about gun violence or about um different drug transactions that i've seen um growing up or like one time my mom was walking down jane street and a crackhead like busted her head open with a bottle so like these are things i've seen like you know so when you go to sleep at night and you have nightmares that's like it's hard like when you're by yourself and you're trying to pray i should not be looking over my shoulder like who's gonna really be there no one's there but when you're living in fear these things seem so real so it was very hard for me to overcome fear Mm -hmm. but praise god i'm living without that now but it took me a very long time because sometimes you can get comfortable in those it's like a familiar spirit Mm. so although it's not good for you it's familiar it's like Mm. this is something i've always dealt with so i didn't know i could be free from it so praise god that i am now yeah i don't like recommend anyone staying in that if you do um struggle with that like talk to somebody because you you can be free from it yeah i like that you said that too that sometimes people don't know that they can be free Mm -hmm. from it it's almost same thing like you said right it's like this is familiar to me Mm -hmm. so this is all i know so therefore there's nothing out there i'm gonna stay in it this is just who i am yeah but it's not (laughs) yeah wow wow okay so um, so for you, like as you continue to um, pursue God, and I know you kind of like touched on this a bit, but what kind of things did you find yourself leaving behind? Family, mm. friends, um, mindsets. Um, but you know what? I got to the point that I didn't care. I did not care. Like, when, once I fully surrendered to Christ, yeah, nothing else was going to hold me back. I was so ready to risk it all. Like, I did not... And I'm not trying to sound harsh, or, mm. like, I don't... I didn't, I'm not trying to sound harsh. Like, I love my family. I loved my friends. But it wasn't worth it to me. Mm. I finally got the revelation. There's nothing going to hold me back at this point. Yeah. Um, so I had to cut a lot of people off, um, and I was okay with that, because... Mm. Once you take those things out of your life, God knows that you need friends and family. Mm. He has given me people in my life that I would have never met if I didn't get saved. Mm. And they were so instrumental in my walk with him. And now I'm, I have a great relationship with my mom. 
like mm-hmm. amazing relationship with my mom um I still talk to some of my my closest friends that, um, before I got saved I still talk to them here and there I'm the person they call now when they need advice when they need although they're not serving God when they want prayers or like they, they come to me yeah um but you have to when you first surrender to Christ and give your life to Jesus you have to have that separation period and it to feel lonely and that's okay because mm. god needs you to be in that season so he can build you up and now you'll get to know who he is yeah and you need to separate yourself from your old lifestyle because you are now new you're walking in something new so how can you bring all of that old stuff into your new life mm. it kind of defeats the purpose right so i got to the point where i was like i don't really care what i have to give up at this point i'm i don't care so you have to have an I don't care moment and be like, you know what, God, I'm trusting you that like everything I'm so-called losing, which I'm not really losing, I know you're going to give back to yeah. me. So, And that's a big thing for people too, mm-hmm. you know, especially when it comes to surrender. It's like, oh my gosh, I have to like leave this behind yeah. and leave them behind. But it's like they're kind of holding you back exactly. in a sense. Do you think you made that decision like after conversion or prior to definitely after um well with friends i think like it will naturally there'll be a natural shift because if they don't want to live that life you're not going to be you guys don't have any more nothing in common so it's like they knew not to invite me certain places and like i tried inviting them to church but they don't want to come so like we're naturally going to drift anyway for sure with family it was a bit harder because like it's your family um so like with my family it was tough because i'm like i love them and I wanted them to be safe so bad, yeah. but it was after I got converted where I was like, you know what? I'm willing to walk away from this if you guys can't respect me, and if you guys, you, it boiled down to respect. If you guys don't respect my lifestyle, mm. then I'm not going to be around you guys, mm. and I had to do that, but eventually they came around again, and yeah. now they respect my lifestyle, yeah. and that's, like, they're not saved. But now I couldn't mention God or church or the Bible to my mom. Now I can. Mm. She's open. She's not saved yet. I'm still believing God for her salvation. But she's open to the, like, I can talk about God freely around her now. So that's good. That's great. And you know what? It kind of also reminds me of, like, when we take those stances as well. Mm -hmm. It serves as almost like a testimony Mm -hmm. for them to see also, right? Especially if, like, like you said, like, with your friends in the world Mm -hmm. now you're the one that they're calling up you know Mm -hmm. so you almost are serving as that reference point for them even though they're not serving god right now Mm -hmm. who knows down the line right they could be like oh my gosh like keisha you know like her life has changed Mm -hmm. jesus did that for her so he can maybe do that for me too not even maybe he can do that for you too so that's really good so okay i have to ask then um how did surrender to god impact other areas in your life such as like serving or modesty because like you had mentioned before in your testimony you had like no kind of like background of christianity so this was like literally (laughs) starting over the biggest culture shock of my life yeah (laughs) (laughs) so there's a lot of new things you know different things that you're learning and Mm -hmm. stuff so how did surrender impact those areas for you um so it's funny you mentioned modesty because that was one thing that was very hard for me to wrap my mind around especially being Mm. getting saved young um i found a lot of identity in how i looked Mm. um so i like modesty to me was like what like (laughs) so like changing my whole whole wardrobe was very hard but i also had to remember like 
I am now wearing, I like to use basketball analogies. So I'm, when you put on a jersey, you're representing that team. Mm-hmm. So when I put on the jersey of Jesus now, I'm representing Jesus. If I'm telling people I'm a Christian and I'm dressing mm-hmm. a certain way, it, it doesn't add up. Right, right. But it right. was very, very, very hard for me to, to change the way I dressed. And then I had to, I got a revelation that it's not about me focusing on how I dressed, like getting, like changing my wardrobe. It's something inside of me had to change. Mm. And that's the thing with serving God. When you're serving God, there's layers. Like God's going to keep revealing things about your heart and he's going to keep peeling back the layers of the onions. Like, all right, good. You worked that out. Okay, now this has to be worked out. Like, and as you are faithful in like going to church or building relationships, you're going to see the people around you, the other women of God. I knew there was something different about me than them. And I got, you'll start to get convicted or if there's messages you're hearing. I see those women of God that I look up to they don't dress like me. Mm. And I, I, I felt almost like I know I need to change this. Mm. I'm now married. Am I representing my husband in a good way, mm. in the way I'm dressing? So little things like that. And I fought, like, and I tried to justify why I can wear certain things. <laughs> but that was just me being vain. And those are things that God had to work out with me over time. Right. And my identity is not in how I look. Mm. Um, so it took me a while. Um, I think my breaking point though with that with modesty with surrendering all was when i had my first daughter mm. so i was saved and it took long like i'm a long time and there's gonna be things in your christianity that you're gonna struggle with mm-hmm. um and wrestle with and try to justify why it's okay but when i had my daughter i was like all right no i need to be a great example for her mm-hmm. um so that was one thing that was hard for me was the modesty mm. But and it's just so hard to dress modest in this world. Like, where do you shop? Like, it's it's hard. Like, yeah. all the layers. Like, you know, and you can't be trendy like all the time. You can't right. follow every trend and be modest. So yeah. if you're trying to do that, just stop now. It's not gonna work. <laughs> it's not gonna work. <laughs> Find yeah. your style and be modest. <laughs> yeah, and I agree. It's definitely a heart issue too, right? Mm-hmm. So like with everything, actually, mm-hmm. it all begins within the heart. So. I'm glad that you brought that up. So what would you say are some ways that you're still putting into practice? Um, just obedience and surrender to God daily. Um, for me is just, I have to remind myself to go back to the basics. Because mm. as you serve God longer, you can kind of get to like, I've arrived. Or, you know, right. that you never want to get there because that's a scary place to be. Yeah. Um, so just one, I'm just having like a heart of gratitude and remembering where I came from. Um, and never thinking that like, all right, God, I paid my dues or I'm good now. I can like, I can put my car in cruise control and I never want to get to that point in my Christianity. So it's like the Bible says, pick up your cross daily. We have to do that daily. We can never get comfortable in our Christianity. So when I am uncomfortable, it's a good thing. Mm. Um, so remembering like God use me wherever you see fit and stretch Mm. me wherever you see fit. Um, and it's hard like as you go through different seasons of life like now we have three kids they're getting older um my time is being stretched in different places but i have to remember what is priority and that's my relationship with god and then our ministry so i have to remember those things um so yeah i would say like just keeping the basics of your christianity what made you fall in love with god like remember those things Mm. That's good. So there's one thing that you you didn't mention, um, and that was that your husband ended up becoming a pastor. Oh, yeah. I forgot to mention that. No. <laughs> <laughs> I 
so now you're a pastor's wife. Yeah. Wow. So I know, right? <laughs> never saw that coming, right? No, if you asked me 10 years ago, or well, I'd say 12 years ago now, yeah. um, if you told me that I was going to be a pastor's wife, I'd be yeah. like, no, 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 no. You got it wrong. You mean NBA wife. I'm going to be a basketball player's <laughs> wife, which I still am a basketball player's wife. Um, but I never thought um, God would use me or my life or my family's life, yeah. Shamar's life in this mm. way. So crazy. Right? Yeah, it is. Wow. <laughs> okay. So walk us through that moment then when you knew um, Shamar was called to preach and how you responded to this call. Do you think surrender, like what does surrender look like in this case for you? Um, so with Shamar, I know God dealt with him on a few different occasions with, um, him being a pastor, but I specifically remember us being at Tucson conference. Mm. We were maybe three or four years saved, maybe five. Um, and I remember they did a call for men who wanted to be pastors or knew they were called to be a pastor and they asked them to stand and he did. And I, that's when it became very real to me that like, Mm. this is going to be our life. Um, and I just was like, yeah, let's do it. I was always ready. Like, yeah, I would never nice. like be like, no, we're not doing this. Like go against the will of God because yeah. I knew once I married him that I had to surrender to what God had for his life as well, not just mm. for my life. So um, I was always down for whatever. I was like, yeah, let's do it. Like, it's exciting to me. I was never yeah. like scared. Like I heard horror stories about the ministry, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know why it never scared me really to, yeah. to go. I was always like, let's do it. Like, it's exciting. This is what God has. And like, if God is calling you to this, then just go. Like, I feel like yeah. why not go? Like, right. That's so. a good attitude to yeah. have though. So you're just ready. Let's go. Let's and do I was this. excited for our kids to see us like yeah. do this. Cause if I feel like church kids, if they're just seeing the same thing over and over in the mother, not to say that mother church, church kids are not good, but it's like when you're out in the pioneer field now, it's like they're seeing you live in action. Like their parents are doing something for God. It's exciting for them as well. Mm. So like there's a bigger picture than just me, what I wanted. So Mm. I knew that God had a calling on his life Mm -hmm. and I'm married to him. So that I have to be submitted to that. Yeah. And I was totally fine with it. That's good. Yeah. Becomes your calling too. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so now that you've been the wife of a pastor for some time, what would you say have been some challenges in pioneering now that you're on the opposite side? Challenges of pioneering. Um, yeah. Luckily, we have an amazing church and group of people. Um, I would say the most challenging thing for me as a pastor's wife is is me. It's not the people. Mm-hmm. It's me. Um reminding myself because sometimes the enemy will put things into my mind um and just remind me of my past and Mm. make me feel like I'm not qualified um so it's like just reminding myself and like yeah just you this is what God has for you and you're walking in your purpose you're walking in his will so you're in the safest place in the world right now and to just be confident in that confident in who I am because all of the pastor's wives we all come from different backgrounds we have different stories we're all very different right and sometimes you can compare yourself to the other pastor's wives or like Mm. the cookie cutter how it should be and I can get or I did get discouraged by that because I know I'm very different I grew up different um and sometimes I would be like oh I'm not like the way you're supposed to be but it's like there is no way like Mm. I'm a child of God I'm a woman of God and I'm walking in that I know I'm walking with my husband and doing what I'm supposed to do and this is just who I am and when I do walk in that, I find that my testimony touches the people who God aligned me with. Like yeah. the girls I talk to and 
um the girl the girls in my church like we're, we have so much in common and it's like mm. i can share my story with them and tell them like how i overcame this mm. or how i you know maneuvered through life as a new christian and stuff yeah. like that modesty like all these things um so i would say yeah the hardest thing was me just overcoming me <laughs> mm. nice yeah. i love that so how would you say that that's been going like right now now that it's been four years yeah. <laughs> um good like good honestly it's it's going really well yeah it's just every now and again i'll need to remind myself um yeah like you know keisha you got this like this is what you're supposed to be doing yeah. um and yeah honestly like we have amazing people um so to me this is it's fun like yeah. i'm just having fun in what we're doing right now that's good yeah that's good so i actually wanted to ask like what have been some of the rewards then of being in the ministry the rewards are um just seeing like raw sinners come in and then watching them go through the surrender process and then mm. like God using their life and now they're being fruitful and bringing people out and like catching your spirit, catch, catching the vision. Yeah. Those things are so exciting because in the mother church, you can kind of get lost in it because there's more people and like there's that safety net of the yeah. other disciples going to follow up on this person are going to do this with this person. But when you pioneer, it's kind of the only safety net is god like me and shamar had to rely on god for everything that came from the ground up right yeah. so you see everything up close you have a front row seat to all right. of these conversions and they're in your home getting saved or they're getting saved in your church and then now they're on outreach with you so like wow. having a front row seat to all of that is like crazy it's mind-blowing yeah so you just get so excited and then every sunday you see yeah. a visitor or like there's times where when we first started no one was coming and like it was just us like i'm yeah. like babe preach to us and he's like like you know you get discouraged but like yeah it's nothing beats like that first convert coming in and that person bringing two people and then that person it's just a snowball effect mm. so having a front row seat to all that is like crazy that's really exciting it's crazy yeah really exciting <laughs> yeah i love that you mentioned like you get to see the conversion mm -hmm. aspect of it as well yeah. does it kind of remind you of like your own story exactly sometimes? it does yeah. and then also i can pinpoint to with young girls like that they're not fully surrendered in mm. certain things i'm like i was there like trust right. me i see right through you i know exactly what you're going through and this the, like this is where you need to surrender or like showing them like you're not fully surrendered but mm. i see the desire there to serve god and i just walk them through that help them through that pray them through that and then like walk them out on the other side so now that you mentioned that um what would you say were some of the topics uh, or areas of surrender that kind of reminds you of your journey specifically as a young believer funny enough three of our main girls right now in our church came in in a relationship mm. um just like me right um so i think it's hard for girls or young women coming in when they're already because everyone's doing things younger so even when you have 15 16 year olds getting saved sometimes they have relationships right and so these girls coming in in relationships it's very hard to let go of that mm. and i understand that because that was literally me like i chased right. this relationship all the way to the altar like i'm like yep this is this is what i want yeah so it's like seeing them go through that i can understand and relate and help them through it but it's just funny how <clears throat> how god works um it's like him putting he will never put you in something and not equip you to get through it so mm. my testimony helps me help them mm. so, you know what i'm you know yeah. what i'm saying so like yeah. things they're struggling with i'm like i was there too you can get through it and like yeah. you just have to surrender it's going to be hard and you need to go through that but it's building character and it's building your faith in god 
So yeah, yeah. See, this is why I love testimonies. <laughs> I love testimonies because, like you said, right? It literally, it's like sometimes we almost like push aside the importance of our testimonies mm-hmm. because maybe we feel like whether it's like you feel condemned mm-hmm. or you feel like oh my testimony is not as like you know quote unquote special as yeah. another person, but. Mm-hmm. Every single person has, like, their own story. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it relates to other people, you know? Yeah. And it's, like, at the end of the day, like, all of our stories are similar in the sense that we were once sinners and, mm-hmm. you know, came to Jesus. Exactly. And there you go. He saved us. Exactly. And we're no longer that person mm-hmm. anymore. And yeah. we can be that reference point for somebody. Like, mm-hmm. someone out there can relate to anyone's testimony. Exactly. So that's why I'm always so excited. I used to be ashamed of my testimony, if I'm being honest, really? though. Like, I was, because it was attached to a guy. Yeah. Um, it wasn't like I like I heard other people's stories and they came to Christ on their own mm. and I was like I didn't like and I was I didn't feel like proud of that but then yeah. I was like no that's my story like yeah. that and that's just how it is and if you don't like it that's too bad for you someone <laughs> else will like it but I had to be like Keisha that's okay if yeah. you didn't come by yourself uh, like God knew what he was doing and how he can get a hold of you so maybe someone else didn't need to get a hold like that but he knew how to get a hold of you yeah. and that's okay so just that's what i'm saying like your mind is very powerful and like if Mm -hmm. we keep those things in our mind it can discourage us but that if it doesn't line up with god's word we shouldn't believe it Mm -hmm. and i would believe those lies sometimes and i wouldn't be confident in my testimony but then that means i'm not confident in being saved so it Mm -hmm. all boils down to that and i was just like no i know i'm saved and i know i accepted jesus as my lord and savior so i need to walk in that but the enemy wants me to feel small so i don't share my testimony Mm -hmm. he wants me to be ashamed of it so i don't share it right (laughs) so i was like i can't I can't give into that. Yeah. So, yeah. And looking at you now, (laughs) never, ever, ever would I have guessed like all of that had happened in your life, Yeah. you know? And see, that's kind of like, I feel like, as you mentioned with the whole like comparison stuff as Mm -hmm. well, that's why we can't compare Mm -mm. because like all we see is kind of like, it's the worst thing you can do. Yeah. Like we're not the finished product, of course, but all we kind of see is like the other side of mm-hmm. that person we yeah. we don't know like where they've been and what they've done exactly but hearing your story just makes me like almost like respect you so much more oh, thank you. <laughs> because it's like wow like look at what jesus had done exactly. you know so and i never want to take credit because i'm like i know if i stayed on the course that i thought for my life i would not yeah. be here today and that's why like I share my story and I share the graphic detail and how low and bad it was Yeah. because it just shows like how powerful the blood of Jesus is. Like I Mm. could not do this on my own and I just share it all so girls, any young lady can be like, okay, my life probably isn't as bad as hers. So if God can save her, he can save me. Yeah. So it's like, I just share all this to give glory to God because like this would not be my life if it wasn't for him. Yeah. Yeah. And if I didn't surrender to him, I feel like that was the main thing. The the moment I surrendered is like, when I took off spiritually yeah yeah so if you're not listening (laughs) the key word today is surrender (laughs) okay so as we wrap this up what is one piece of advice for someone who is struggling for whatever reason to lay down their life completely to God I would say to the young lady coming into church or get first giving their life to Christ and they're in a relationship I highly recommend you surrendering that relationship and just giving it up and trusting God with it. I don't recommend the way I did it. Um, I know it did have a happy ending, but it doesn't always work out that way. Um, Praise God that I had a man who was surrendered to Christ as well, but you never know 
what the outcome is going to be so i don't recommend you staying with this person um getting pregnant getting married and like hoping it will work out try to find yourself in christ first know who you are in christ before you get married because that's another thing i really struggled with is like i didn't know who i was in christ before i got married and i had all these insecurities i didn't know who i was and that leaked out in my marriage and my poor husband had to deal with an insecure little girl for a while so it's like you have to be secure in who you are in christ before you tie the knot with somebody so if you come in as a new believer you want to serve god but you're in a relationship from the world i highly recommend you break off the relationship trust god if you guys are meant to be it'll come back together if he Mm. and you want to know the type of man of god you need to marry to this man that you're with in the relationship is from the world so you have nothing to line it up with in the church or as serving god Mm. so you need that time that break and so does he to know what he really wants in a woman what if you're not ready to be his wife Mm. um or what if you're not meant to be his wife what if he's not meant to be your husband so you need to work all that out before you just jumping and saying yeah i want to be married um it just so happened that my situation worked but i don't recommend the way i did it Mm. so yeah that's good okay well thank you so much keisha for coming on here and sharing such a powerful testimony thank you so much for having me no problem okay and until next time rbl community stay encouraged